Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. I'm on week two of my vacation, but created this show before I left. It's the first of two sifters that revolve around the Richmond International Film Festival. This year's festival will feature more than 150 films, plus live music performances and special events all over town from June 7th through 12th. This first show spotlights two of the narrative features that we'll be showing. And since I'm out of town, there will be no review of the week, and the coming soon section will only include the shows that were announced before May 13th. I told you I feel fine. I don't feel sick. Really. What a horrible family we have. Our own personal genetic mutation. You need to tell me why we're here in this stupid That was an excerpt from Esme, my love. But before we talk with director Corey Choi, I'm going to visit Zurich, Switzerland, via Zoom, to visit with Peter Luizzi, the director of Princess. The movie starts in 1985 with Joseph, an alcoholic who's given up on life. When his younger sister moves into the same house, an unexpected friendship develops between him and her four-year-old daughter, Nina. The second half of the story happens 35 years later, when Nina is in trouble and Joseph, now 82 years old, sets out to help her. So, Peter Luizzi, welcome to Sifter for the Ear, all the way over in Zurich, right? Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. We were in Zurich a few years back. I'm a vegetarian, so can you guess where we ate dinner two times? <laughs> yes, in the Hiltel. I go there all the time. It's right around the corner. Yeah, House Hilti is actually 100 years old, the oldest vegetarian restaurant in the world, right there in your city. So yeah, it's a great place. We loved going there. Excellent. So now let's move to America. This is actually the film that you're going to be showing this year at the Richmond International Film Festival is Princess, which is the third entry you've had. And in 2015, you had Unlikely Heroes, which won Best of Festival Narrative Feature. And then in 2018, you had Streaker, which also won the same award. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'll hit the third one this time. <laughs> let's see. Well, I'm, I was really happy the last two times and I was happy to be invited back with this film. Have you ever been to Richmond? No, I never made it, unfortunately. Really sad. Maybe you can come when you enter your fourth film. All right. Now, speaking of the States, I know your background started in Wilmington in college there. Was that because Wilmington, when the studios were starting down there, or it just was just a coincidental that UNC there in Wilmington was where you went to college? It was a coincidental. coincidental. I just was looking for a, a good school, and that was the one that took me. And uh, they actually didn't have a film program back then yet. So I just did my general education there, and then my plan was to transfer into a university which had the film studies, which I then did. And where was that? I went to UC Santa Cruz. Right, and, uh, right, right. Then you went right back to uh, Switzerland and started making movies? Yes. Uh, my plan was actually to work for a few years and then go back and do my master, but then I just got lucky and I could work here. So there was no reason to go back to school. <laughs> right, right. It's much better than going back to school. Absolutely. Surprise guest drop-in. Speaking of the film festival, I do have a surprise guest who dropped in to, to welcome you, Miss Heather Waters, who I imagine you've probably talked to at least. Oh, great. Fantastic. 
Hey, Peter. Nice to meet you. You too. Finally, after all these years, I get to actually see you sort of live. Yes, sort of. I mean, it's the new it's the new live. <laughs> That's it, right. Exactly. <laughs> and I did, before you got on, Heather, I did mention that he did win Best of Festival twice in the past for uh, Unlikely Heroes and for Streaker. So that's great. So I guess mm -hmm. you can't give us any hint on what's going to happen this year, can you, Heather? <laughs> no, <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait and see. But what I will say is all of his work is just extraordinary. Every project we've you know had from Streakers to also Unlikely Heroes, they're all very different. And yet each of them, the audience has been really impacted by and they've done very well, you know, mm -hmm. at RIP. And so when we saw his new project submitted this year for Princess, we were all thrilled. And it's very different than the other two. Absolutely. Yeah, very powerful drama uh, that really I'm sure Peter's going to talk to you in more in depth about it. Powerful performances by every single actor and it really just pulls you in some of the topics that are addressed mm -hmm. in the story incredible job peter to you and your team thanks a lot thanks so while we got you here heather give us a little quick rundown of what people can look forward to this year uh, the richmond international film festival is running june 7 through 12th a different uh, time of year what can we look forward to this year what's going to be new or different in person hello <laughs> yes we're, we're so thrilled to be back you know together again we were able to to do that in september of last year because we got in just in between some of the uh, the variants. But this year is going to be what it feels like to be a full return. And we've got folks traveling in from all over the country and world. 171 films got wow. into the lineup this year. So it's okay. going to be our largest festival to date. They range from documentaries to narratives. And then we, we do, of course, short length and feature length films, all genres. So yeah, there's a little bit of everything. I'm actually on the judging panel for the narrative features. Don't try to bribe me, Peter. I'm not going to give you any. <laughs> actually, we haven't had our meetings yet, so we don't know. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, there's some science fiction and then there's some heavy drama and there's some comedy and there's it goes does go all over the place. One of the things we love to do, and this is why I have a strong interest in Peter's film and, and those that are international, is to have the opportunity to expose Richmond to not just incredible films that they cannot see yet because they're, you know, not out at the theaters yet, but also to expose them to the artists that are in other countries, you know, the different cultures and just the type of art form, because it's always a little different than a American film in some cases. Absolutely. And one of the things that, that I really enjoy about the international film side is they really dive deeply into characterization. You feel like you've been taken on a journey, you know, by the time from the beginning to the end. And Peter, you do an exceptional job at that. We are going to talk more about Princess and let you go, Heather, because I know you got plenty to do to keep scheduling this thing. <laughs> I'm busy over here. <laughs> thank you so much for dropping in. No, thank you great. guys for having me. Peter, it's so good to see you. Yes, likewise. Have a okay. great festival. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Okay, now let's move on to the movie that's going to be in this year's festival. It's called Princess. 
So first of all, what was your inspiration for Princess? Well, there were two things. One was I saw that children, now I have a son, they're so interested in the world and they're so open-minded. They're curious. They love life. Everything makes them laugh. And they just are so excited about the smallest things. And I wanted to put this, like this child energy together with a person who's basically given up on life and has decided that there's no meaning whatsoever to bring these two together and see what would happen. And another idea was the saying that the true love can only be proven over time. Because ah. I can promise you now the world and I could really mean it. It means nothing unless it's still valid in like 30, 40, 50 years. So those were the two things that were right. the inspiration for the story. Right, right. Well, real quickly, I'll just do a quick rundown of the story. Basically, the guy you said that was kind of given up on life has become an alcoholic, and mm -hmm. he's pretty miserable. And then his half-sister shows up with her four-year-old daughter. And the four-year-old daughter, who, by the way, is amazing in the film, he and she establish a relationship. And then, of course something inevitable happens. And I knew that was going to, you know, you knew something had to happen because otherwise you don't have a story. And then we jump forward 35 years later. That addresses your second issue of the fact mm -hmm. of love lasting all that time. So it's a pretty interesting way it goes. How many actors did you have to audition to play Nina? Because she really, I mean, that's very young to be able to carry that much of a role. Yes, yes. Actually, I always thought I would have an older actress because I, I was looking for maybe five or six years old. And we, we cast a bunch, maybe 50, 60. And then this one, Leah, was amazing, but she just turned four. So she was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought she's perfect, but we have 21 shooting days and she's, you know, she doesn't want to film anymore after two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a movie anymore because you can't force a child to, right. to film. Actually, even the labor laws are very strict for children. Sure. But for her age, she's too young. <laughs> they don't even count. Oh, wow. Because for a child that young, there's no such thing as work. A child can't work. It's just playing. And if it doesn't want to play anymore, it stops and you can't do anything. So the most important thing was I wanted to find someone who really enjoyed the process and whom I thought would I wouldn't need to like coax into doing stuff that she didn't want to because that would be a nightmare. So I really was looking for one, someone who would enjoy the process of filming. You really looked out. I know it's interesting you mentioned that about children. I made my career as a director and there was one time I had to work with kids more than once. There was one mm -hmm. time when I had a very young child and she just said no. On the set yeah. that day, she'd auditioned mm -hmm. and everything, and we just had to stop. We couldn't shoot. So mm -hmm. um, did you ever have situations where she just said, nah, not today, and you had to just say, well, we'll shoot something else this afternoon, or was she just great the whole time? No, no, of course. I mean, she's a child, and she she had her moods. We needed a lot from her, and sometimes she just, no, I want to go play, and then we had to deal with that situation. It was really funny. Actually, we often had, like, scenes outside, and it takes part in the 80s, so it was really where to all the cars had to be from the 80s, and we had to, um, had to block the streets and everything. And then she would walk along and suddenly she'd see a snail and she'd be like, oh, a snail. And she'd walk <laughs> away and forget the scene. And then everybody like, okay, with the walkie-talkie, stop blocking, she's seen a snail, we have to stop. Normally actors do exactly what you need them to do in a right. film set because it's such a huge undertaking and the actor knows every time is money and they really try their best. 
But with this, it was just the other way around. We just had to work around her. You mentioned that. You said this in the 80s. Why did you decide to do that 80s? And then, of course, fast forward to more or less current day. And um, I mean, it's fun to shoot something in the 80s. It looks nice and um, all that. But basically, that's the element of the dramatic reason that... I wanted the second half to be in the now. That's interesting. The second half was staged in, well, interestingly, in the movie, they called it the Ukraine. That's before now we call it Ukraine, I guess. I don't know when the the <laughs> got dropped. Did you actually shoot in Ukraine or was that another country standing in for it? Yes, I shot there. I was in the jury at the Molodist Film Festival in Kiev in 2014. And uh, I met some amazing uh, producers and, and realized that they have a really good film industry and then I thought maybe one day I could shoot there and then uh, this film I wanted the main character who had to go somewhere like where there's a uncomfortable situation and because there was already war basically I chose the Ukraine as that country and they were delighted to have us and they did a great mm -hmm. job. The actors were local Ukrainian actors as well? Yes, we went to Kiev and we shot there. We didn't go into the war region. We just shot around Kiev, pretending that it was the, the Donbass, where there was already back then the, the war going on, but not as intense as now, of course. And now it's just a big tragedy because I don't don't know how these all these people are doing and all that. So Yeah, yeah, it's really terrible. Yeah. Well, this one's interesting because it, it's not really a comedy. There are some light mm. moments because you have a child in it, but it's yeah. definitely dark. I mean, it's a dark theme with the theme of addiction. I wanted and I think I succeeded to let the people go out of the movie, although they've witnessed something that's not light, but a sort of a hopeful, positive outlook on life and, and difficult situations. Because I always think that life is a comedy and a, and a tragedy at the same time. I mean, right. there's so much to laugh about and so much to cry about in everybody's life. <laughs> right, right. You achieved that very well. Well, we didn't give away some of the, uh, I won't say surprises, but some of the heavier elements of the movie, mm -hmm. because obviously we want that to be there for people to discover for themselves. But I think they will find that it is a fascinating and unusual movie, especially the second half. I have to say, the first half, I kept saying, okay, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. We got <laughs> to have a dramatic event here that's going to change everything. And of course it did. And it was mm -hmm. not quite what I expected, but it was pretty shocking. And I said all that to say that there are movies like this before, redemption of someone who is in a bad state for whatever reason, whether it's an addiction or what, mm -hmm. and then something makes them change. And this did that. But the second half, the twist is something that you would never expect, which was kind of one of the coolest aspects of the film. Yeah, I'm glad that it had the effect I wanted. To. <laughs> good, good. This has been great to talk to you, Peter. I want to thank you for mm -hmm. taking your time a couple of days before you're getting ready to release the movie over there. And maybe next year, now that I've come to see you in Zurich, maybe you can come see us next time. I'd love to. I'd really love to. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Princess will show at the Richmond International Film Festival on Saturday, June 11th at 4.15 at Movieland. There's a link on the TV Jerry webpage for this podcast. If you're just tuning in, I'm interviewing two directors from two of the narrative films that will be featured at this year's Richmond International Film Festival. Now let's pivot to the second narrative, Esme, my love. The world is a strange place, Esme. So confusing without guidance. Now I'm chatting with Corey Choi. Say that fast three times. That's a challenge to say, Corey. <laughs> Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. 
before we talk about the movie, how did you get started in the business? I know your background is in sound. I've been in the business for a while now. You know, I thought I wanted to be an animator and I also was a musician. So the way I would make money during the summers is I'd go out to the docks in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, and I'd play music, I'd go busk with some of my friends. Sure. I happened to be friends with some amazing musicians, one of whom is one of the composers on, on my film, As Name I Love. I had a love of music. I had a love of animation. I ended up going to NYU undergrad for film. My third year, I had an opportunity. Uh, one of my professors, Jason Candler, Basically, I was going through the halls and I was swearing. I was going, ah, F this, F that. He's like, he's like, hey, Corey, what's wrong? Why are you swearing? I was like, oh, I put in a bid on this anime ADR job. And it was like for thousands of dollars. But I didn't get the job because I don't have a studio. He's like, you got to talk to Bernie. I was like, who's Bernie? Bernie turned out to be Bernard Haydenberg. I had the opportunity to um, apprentice on, under Bernie Haydenberg. And when he retired, I had the good fortune of kind of taking over his space. And let me guess, you renamed it Silver Sound. Correct. And where did that name come from, as opposed to Golden Sound? Well, there was already a Golden Audio down the road, number uh. one. But number two, the three founders, me, Sean, and Luke, uh, we were all from Silver Spring, Maryland. Oh, okay, cool. How did you transition from saying, hey, I think I'm going to go back and be a director like I studied in college? You know, it kind of came very naturally. Our whole model from the get-go is we look at your movie from a storytelling perspective. Every single person at Silver Sound is not only a sound person, but we're also storytellers. So right. we never really kind of gave up that storytelling MO. I just finally had the opportunity to tell something I was extremely passionate about. So we're going to be talking about the film that you made called Esme, My Love, uh, is about a mother who notices that her daughter has got some terminal illness issues. And so she takes her on a trip to her family's abandoned farm. I know it was inspired by a true story. What was the inspiration behind that? I would add one thing to that description that I show everybody, and it's, or does she? But everything is not as it seems. Right. If you look at the trailer and the description of the film, they really play against each other um, in, in a very kind of dissonant way that, that's purposeful. The story came from a couple different things, but the, the kernel of the story came from, I was speaking with a woman, I can't, can't say who it is because that's private, and she was telling me about her encounter with an angel. Now, the story she told me was one of the most terrifying stories I had ever heard. I was like, that's really, really frightening. But she said, no, 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 you don't understand. I saw God. It was the most beautiful thing in the world that ever happened to me. So I started thinking about that, and it just stuck with me. The true story is between that and then several years later, I was shooting a music video in upstate New York in a, in a, in a town called Hague, New York, and I was on this beautiful, beautiful property. I started talking with uh, one of the bandmates who lived on the property, his mother, who happened to be the town historian. And she started telling me all about the town and the town's history and her family history and the farm. I fell in love with her, her family. I fell in love with her, their story. And actually, that is the, a lot of that family, the Delorme's family history. It was shot on their property. I was going to say, I bet it's going to be shot on their farm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. And, and a lot of their actual family history was and heirlooms. Actual family heirlooms were included in the film. Oh, cool. The St. Christopher's Medal that we use 
originally, though there's a whole story about that, the, the original prop that we used was actually over 100 years old and uh, had belonged to a woman named Anna. Cool. Cool. So now, speaking of women, you said you were inspired to mostly use women for this. And I know that the cast is fully women. It was co-written and co-edited by women. The cinematographer was a woman and the score was composed by a woman. Why did you decide to make that commitment? Well, this is really kind of a really happy and fortunate thing to say. I didn't make that commitment. I just chose the people who I wanted to work with. And when I turned around and I told the story I wanted to tell, I was like, wow, most of my major collaborators are women. There's two people in the cast. I always knew I wanted to tell the story of a mother and a daughter. And it's funny because, you know, you've heard of the Bechdel test, right? Sure. Footnote. The Bechdel test is a measurement of the representation of women in a film or book. It asks whether the work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And I realized for our film, there is no Bechtel test. Right. Like we, we blow it out of the water. There are no men in our movie. We didn't go in with that intent. And same thing with the, all the positions. The director of photography, Fletcher Wolf, she is the best director of photography I know. I've worked with her on many of my projects in the past. She's the only one I ever considered for this project. Charlotte Littlehale is one of the composers. Again, I knew her since I was a kid growing up. I knew her voice. What I did in this movie is I kind of took many of the things that have just kind of stuck with me for years and years and played a very important emotional part in my life. And I incorporated them into this film. And it wasn't that I chose to work with women. It was that women were the best people to do the job. Terrific. That's great. Speaking of women, and you mentioned earlier that this was shot on the farm uh, where you did that research. It had to be a challenge. A, you're shooting outdoors the whole film. And B, you're shooting with a child and know their labor limits with that. How many times was it like, oh, we can't shoot today because it's raining or, oh, we've got to let her go because she's had her number of hours? Or was it just a breeze the whole way through? Pun intended. <laughs> you know, working with children, especially a nine-year-old child, is always a challenge. And if you're going to work with a child, you're not just working with her. You're working with her guardian as well. Right. Very, very, very closely. So the most important thing is we had to forge a trusting relationship. You know, there had to be a lot of trust between me, her guardian. In this case, it was her mother on set and her mother, also her acting coach, by the way. What were the challenges? I mean, there were a lot of challenges because you can't obviously burn out a child. You, you can only work for so many hours. Right. right. But Audrey is a once I mean, there are very few talents like Audrey. She is a true actress. She's a true, naturally talented actress. She's also a hardworking professional, and she was even at the age of nine. Wow. But one of the things that was really challenging for me is one of the ground rules laid down by her mom and her was no rehearsals before we get on set. Oh, okay. So I said, what? I'm used to rehearsing a lot. Right, right. And sure. so- so the way we did our rehearsals, the way we agreed to rehearsals, because they wanted to keep it fresh, because a lot of her method was, you know, encountering a situation and being in the moment. The way we kind of did that, uh, I got around that is I said, well, we're not going to do rehearsals and just, you know, beat this to death. But what we are going to do, and I'm going to need this because it's a lot of voiceover in the movie. We're going to record all of the dialogue in my sound booth. OK, so we recorded all of the dialogue for the movie in the booth before we went out so I could do some pre-visual or pre-auditory or pre-visualization 
And right. that's how I got my rehearsals in with Audrey beforehand. Uh-huh. We had we had two marathon days. And then we also did some blocking tests, some camera tests. So she was willing to do camera tests. And so we would have camera tests in, in the woods at Prospect Park in New York City before we went upstate. And so we did two days of camera tests and we did two days of um, booth recording. And that was my rehearsal. So I, I got oh, very, wow. very, very limited rehearsal with Audrey. And then on set, every single take that she did had something to it. Now, whether it was something I wanted to use or not, right, right, uh, right sure. <laughs> it was always something that could be used in a certain kind of film because she's just that kind of, of talent. There, there are very, very few scenes that were that actually threw her. In terms of getting the coverage we needed, we only had 13 days on on location. We had a lot to shoot. Yeah, um, yeah. It was one of the most challenging things I've ever done. And we were not able to capture some of the original script. We saw this happening as we as we were going, we're like, okay, we're not going to be able to get this section of the script. So right. on set, we made the decision to rewrite a little bit. Well, you know, one of the advantages that you have too is that since all the sound was recorded ahead of time, you didn't have that whole challenge to add to everything else. Well, it, it was recorded ahead of time, but we actually recorded sound in sync on set the entire time as well. Oh, you so did? Oh, okay. We were doing, okay. But it was in these quiet woods, right? We did have the advantage of a very quiet, remote location right, where right. the only thing that we had kind of annoying us every once in a while would be coyotes or right. uh, every once in a while an ATV joyrider. <laughs> and you can hear those things for miles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Are you coming to town for this? Oh, yeah. I'm very, very excited for this. I'll definitely be there. Well, you're, but you're from Northern Virginia. So have you ever been to Richmond before? I'm not from Northern Virginia. I just used to busk out there when I, oh, when okay. I was a kid. Okay. Um, but I, I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Though, oh, so okay. I have been out to Richmond in, in, in the past, but not in many years. I live in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, okay. Well, it's changed a lot since the last time you're here. I guarantee you, no matter what it looks like. You're bringing the lead actor with you? Stacey Wexstein will be coming. And Fletcher, the cinematographer, will be speaking at one of the panels, as will I. I'll be speaking at one of the panels. I am very, very excited because we just found out a few days ago that in a different film festival, we just won for Best Cinematography, Best First Time Feature, and Best Thriller Suspense in the Cannes World Film Festival, which is very exciting for us. Congratulations. Just to clarify, Stacy plays Hannah, the mother in the film. Yes. Well, we look forward to seeing you in Richmond, and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I've been talking with Corey Choi, who is the director of Esme, My Love, which we're playing at the Richmond International Film Festival. Thank you so much, Corey. Hey, thanks so much for this opportunity, Jerry. Esme, My Love will show at the Richmond International Film Festival on Saturday, June 11th at 6.15 at Movieland. There's a link on the TV Jerry webpage for this podcast. Coming soon. In theaters. After seemingly endless delays, Top Gun Maverick finally takes off. The Bob's Burgers movie, which is based on the animated TV series. TV and streaming. On the 27th on Netflix, Stranger Things Season 4 launches. On Disney, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ten years after Star Wars Episode 3, Ewan McGregor reprises his role with Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. On Amazon, Emergency. Three college students are out for a party but have to decide whether to call the police when they find an unconscious girl. And on the 31st, Pistol on FX. Danny Boyle directed this film based on the novel by the Sex Pistols guitarist Steve Jones. 
That's the abbreviated version of Coming Soon, based on the info I had before leaving town. Next week, I continue my exploration of the Richmond International Film Festival with two documentaries. See you then. For more Sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.